It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. Super exciting because we're going to be digging into Hebrews chapter 10. It's all going to be happening. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. We're going to go deep this morning. Before we do, we have our quiz and we have some text messages to take a look at. So let's look at what the text messages have to say. Let's listen to what the quiz is all about. Lawson. 400-pointer. All right. Uh, for 400 points, the Bible says, oh, not the Bible, the quiz says, who said, and this is something the Bible says, it won't take much more for you to convince me to become a Christian. Who was almost convinced? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 400 points, you can get your, uh, your, you know, your uh, your book from our selection of bargain books, or you can get your points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. Again, that question was, who said it won't take much more for you to convince me to become a Christian? That's just a long way from Egypt. That is. That's got nothing. We had an Egypt no- theme happening, and we've just spoiled it all. Producer Shell, what are you up to? It was so good. Well, up well, and- well I guess this person is a, We've changed a continents. A Gentile. And- we've changed continents. Like, by two continents. There was a very loose, like, there was a very loose Egypt theme. Oh, Gentile, okay. Yeah, it was a very loose <laughs> Egypt theme for the first three. Like, I just made that up. I didn't say there was an, what there was. I didn't, there was no indication from Shell that there was an Egypt theme. I just kind of said it because I could see the questions. Oh, you could see three in a row coming up. I was like, ooh, maybe we're going to talk about Egypt today. Nope. Yep. Anyways. Do you have some text messages? Uh, we do. Mm-hmm. We do. Where, where are they? I'm, I'm, so interested. I'm so keen to get into a Bible study. I've got the Bible out and ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. Text messages. The University Outreach Lawson. Mm-hmm. Uh, great ministry. The Holy Spirit never gives up, and he was there in the life of those who accept your invitation way before you guys got there. Mm. God is good. Amen. That's super encouraging. And, uh, yeah, I just want you guys to be praying for Lawson with his university ministry, Lawson and Hannah, as they uh, work over there at the ASOC Church. It is an amazing thing that they're doing, so do keep them in prayers. And shoot us some text messages just to give them some encouragement from time to time. Everybody needs a little bit of encouragement. Okay, Saint Vladimir, a real saint. He actually kept the commandments, especially the one that says, Thou shalt not kill. I think this might be a little bit sarcastic, a little bit tongue-in-cheek right now. Uh, Great way to baptise his people. I'm sure they came up out of the river totally converted. Laughing face, laughing face. Um, That is the same way that Emperor Constantine baptised his army by walking them through the river. A great, great way to bring paganism into the Christian church. We are still suffering the consequences today. Mm. And the fact is, by forming a political alliance rather than uh, through religion, rather than uh, becoming a Christian through conversion and maintaining separation of church and state and religious liberty, which could have taken place so easily if uh, St. Vladimir had uh, had had done so, then we wouldn't have the religious conflicts that we're having. We wouldn't have religion entwined into the political system and the wars uh, all the way down through history, and particularly as we have it right now, mm. just inflaming it and making it so much worse. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Adra- Adventist uh, help and other churches, as you give, so shall you receive. God works through his people, and in these times, they are really making him proud. Well done, David. Great report. These disasters are just beginning. Mm. And I think this is something that we need to recognize, and David did point out that we understand Bible prophecy. We know what is going to happen. And as 
people of faith, we need to be gearing up. And, and you know, I know that there are, you know, your major denominations have systems like ADRA and Adventist Community Services uh, where their churches can gear up and be ready for these kinds of disasters. But if you're part of a denomination or part of a small independent church or if you're part of a mosque or a synagogue or whatever else it is, uh, that you would like to have the training and that you would like to understand how can I be, you know, a, a faith-based um, community service within my community, mm. then um, give us a call here. We'll connect you with David and he can set that up for you. He's probably mm. got his hands full for the next uh, couple of weeks mm. with getting, you know, dealing with the flood situation up there. But it's definitely something that I would encourage all of our community organizations to get involved with, and particularly faith-based ones, because you know when it comes to these kinds of disasters, we need to offer more than just physical support. People are needing spiritual support now more than ever before. So, mm. yeah, thank you, David, for sharing that with us, and uh, thank you for the person who texted through to uh, mm. to support that one. And awesome. you can also actually hear David this afternoon on. He's going to be on the Looking Up show as well, sharing some some things about that. So okay, in. so yeah, because the th- problem was we had to cut him short because he had so much to talk about. Mm. So he's coming back on Faith FM this afternoon. Mm-hmm. What time will he be back on Producer Shell? Uh, David will be back here. Yeah. So the th- Looking Up is three thirty our time. Three thirty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, so he'll be on at about probably ten minutes after we start the show. Okay, so at the beginning awesome. of the beginning of the yeah, uh, looking up show, hour. First, first half, half hour, hour. Mm-hmm. that'll be fantastic. Awesome, and you'll be able to hear more about what is taking place up in the north. That's right. Um, which of course can help us prepare down here in the south. Mm-hmm. We need to be thinking about it already. You need to be thinking about your ASOC church. You know, if if Maitland gets flooded out again, what are you going to do? You're going to come out with a mud army and and give us some of support course. out there? Absolutely, of course. All right, so you guys need to be gearing up as well. Uh, because you're less likely to get uh, flooded out on the coast. Yeah, that's right. I was I was doing a survey of all of our you know people attending, and most of us either live in uni accommodation or are on top of hills. So I think we're, we're all okay. Yes, yeah. you 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 potentially do have um, some issue with flash flooding, mm-hmm. but not with uh, major river flooding. That's right. Whereas if Singleton goes under, then, you know, that water's all going to come down towards Maitland mm. uh, and it would be fantastic to for you to be able to mobilise uh, everybody who's either a part of your club or a contact of your club. Yeah, that's just, right. Just get them together and say, hey, go, we, we form a mud army and go. <laughs> get them in. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I've been talking to my son um, up in Logan Reserve Church mm. in Queensland and he's been sending me some pictures through of the mud army that their church formed. Mm. And, uh, you know, they've just been out in the community shoveling mud and cleaning, ripping carpets out and just, oh, that's awesome. you know, just getting in there and doing it and uh, helping people carry, you know, rubbish away. And mm. wow, you do see some of the photos from places like Lismore and it is honestly like a bomb went off in, yeah, in, wow. in the place. It's just phenomenal. A friend of mine went through there and posted some up to Facebook yesterday and uh, it just absolutely blew mm-hmm. my mind. I've never seen devastation like that in Australia before. Anyway, uh, let's be all thinking about what we can do and, of course, the rest of Australia uh, that is not being affected by this right now, we need your prayers and we need your support. Uh, we understand if uh, you can't come and physically uh, give us the uh, you know, your physical presence, but definitely these kinds of relief efforts don't take place without financial aid. Mm-hmm. ADRA, Adventist Community Services uh, are two places, two fantastic places where you can give aid to what is happening over here on the East Coast right now uh, in New South Wales and Queensland. 
All right, let's get into our Bible study. Where did we get up to yesterday? Well, I think we just covered uh, chapter 10, verse 1, but the day before we got through, like, what was it, six, seven, eight verses, something mm-hmm. like that? I believe so. Let's start in verse 6. Let's just pick it up in verse 6 and let's read three verses and see where we get up to. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 6, it says, You are not pleased with burnt offerings or offerings or, or other sin offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the Scriptures. First, Christ said, You do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you a pleased by them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. It's a fascinating thought. And Producer Shell brought this thought up uh, here on the breakfast show, you know, several weeks ago, looking at this from almost like a time traveler perspective. Mm. Jesus knows the future. Uh He knows that he's coming to this earth. Mm -hmm. He knows that he's going to become a human being. He knows that he is going to have to deal with the the weakness and the frailties of being a human being Mm -hmm. and that he's going to have to learn as a human being learns. Mm -hmm. And we ask the question, why are there so many prophecies about Jesus? Why are there so many prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament? And you've got, you've got, in the Old Testament, you've got over 300 prophecies about Jesus and about the Messiah and about what he would do. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if Jesus is like, I know I'm going to have to deal with being a human, so let me write this all down, put it on paper on planet Earth so that when I get there I can read it and I can know and understand in the future. Mm. It's an incredible thought to be thinking about how God works and plans for humanity. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so what's interesting here is, is, you know, I come in the volume of the book, as is written of me, to do your will, O God. Mm. This is Jesus speaking uh, in his humanity. And, of course, this is a prophecy that, uh, you know, that, that has been written down for him. And he is, you know, acknowledging that. And we said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you don't want. Neither do you have pleasure in them, which are offered by the law. Mm. Why does why does the Bible say that, you know, God does not have pleasure in these sacrifices? Because it's things. Dying, like, and and also, like, as we have been going over the last couple of days, um, the sacrifices don't actually achieve anything, but they're just symbols. They're symbols to point the sinner towards, oh, what God would do for them. But ultimately, like, there, why would there be any enjoyment in the sacrifice? It ultimately represents that sin has happened. That's right. Mm. Okay, so let's go over to, and, and this is the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the average person, say, you know, um, living in their suburban home, if they have to go out and take the life of their pet, that's pretty horrific. Mm. And they won't do that. They'll take their pet to a vet and have the pet put down if it needs to be put down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing for a farmer is not the same. Because mm. you know, a farmer is dealing with lots and lots of animals and so he's got lots and lots of, you know, he's got a lot more animals and it's going to be more regular, maybe, you know, once, twice, five times a year that he needs to put an animal down. 
Mm. And so it becomes much easier for him because of the familiarity. Mm. The shock factor is no longer there, particularly if there's a farmer who is protecting his property from, you know, invasive, introduced feral species of animals or overpopulation of kangaroos or whatever. Uh, putting animals down becomes a regular part of his job and something mm. that doesn't phase him in the least because familiarity does away with the shock factor. Uh, then you get somebody who, say, works in an abattoir and that's what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. All day, every day, they are taking the lives of animals. Well, that, that, that kind of familiarity, there's, there's z- literally zero, no shock factor whatsoever there at all. Mm-hmm. It is just, you know, not even, not even a thing. And uh, the question is, you know, does God just want more sacrifices? You know, is 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 when it, when when it came to the sacrificial system, God's like, yeah, I like it when you bring a sacrifice because this is a good thing. So if one sacrifice is a good thing, is twenty a better thing? Mm. Is three hundred better than twenty? Yeah, and then it's like, oh, is sacrificing a lamb even does that even mean anything? And this is the thing, because the more sacrifices there are, the worse it gets mm. for two reasons. One. There's unnecessary death mm. of animals, mm-hmm. and God doesn't like that. Yes. And two, it defeats the purpose of the symbol. Yes. Because it takes away the shock factor. Mm. And this was a point that the Israelites often missed. They would think, okay, God likes it when we bring a sacrifice. Therefore, I want God to like me. I'll bring 20. This is a very pagan concept. Mm. I'll bring 30, I'll bring 300, and if I bring enough, then God will like me. Mm. But that's not how it works. If we go back to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, there's an interesting story here in 1 Samuel chapter 15 where uh, God sends the Israelites to war against the Amalekites, says wipe them out and don't keep anything that they've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, just destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people need to be just, you know, and, and there's a whole bunch of reasons that we now know from archaeology as to why uh, this was a traumatized population that was, you know, so many generations into absolute horror, this was the last resort. Mm. But that's a story for another occasion. The Bible says that uh, Saul goes down there and he does that, and Samuel comes to meet Saul after he has done so. And this really illustrates our point right here. Uh, in verse 13. Uh, if you can read for us uh, 1 Samuel 15 verse 13 please 1 Samuel 15 and verse 13 when Samuel finally found him Saul greeted him cheerily may the Lord bless you he said I have carried out the Lord's command and now verse 14 then he what is uh, then what is the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowering of cattle I hear Samuel demanded okay so uh, Saul turned up and he's got all of the stuff mm. he's taken all their flocks and herds God said no don't mm-hmm and he's gone, yeah, no, no, I'll keep it. I'll take it. This is good. Yeah. And so Samuel's like, well, you know, God said don't, and you did, so you've been disobedient. What's going on here? Uh, let's read it, uh, verse 15. What, is, what, is, what, what's, what excuse does Saul give? It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted, but they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. So this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Everything else gets destroyed, but it's like, well, there's a whole bunch of uh, sheep, cattle, and goats right here. 
Let's use these for a mass sacrifice to God. Well, like my my opinion or my view of the story is that they probably weren't at the beginning. They were probably like, let's use these to eat and grow our herds. <laughs> yes. And then Samuel's like angry and then he's like, oh, no, we're going to use this as a mass sacrifice. Like, Samuel, calm down. Like, it's all right. We're going to give these to God, you know. Okay, so is this go- going to win God's favour? No. Uh, are these even going to be good sacrifices that have come from the Amalekites? I mean, you had to sacrifice a lamb without blemish and you're going to use something that comes from the Amalekites? Mm, no, it's their it comes, stuff. It's, it's tainted with everything yeah. to do with Amalekites. And as we've probably mentioned on the show as we've been working way, the book, way through the book of Hebrews and talking about the sacrifice, you know, the, the lamb that you sacrifice was one that you pay for. Like it's yes. not something that you inherit. It's something, it, it represents your... Your loss. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so if you sacrifice, you know, lambs and so forth that belong to the Amalekites, then that means that you don't have to sacrifice any of yours. Yeah, that's right. So it's simply another way of taking their stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Even if even if it's like, well, oh, done, we can't um, add this to our flocks and herds right now, but we can sacrifice them and that means we don't have to sacrifice any of that. Yeah, that's right. So they were just, you know, at, at the best case scenario, they were just creating their own loophole right here. Uh, okay, so, you know, is, is this something that is going to win God's favour to have a mass sacrifice? Uh, the Bible goes on here and uh, verse 19. In verse 19, Why haven't you obeyed the Lord, Samuel said? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what is evil in the Lord's sight? And what does Saul say in verse 20? But I did obey the law, Saul ins- the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission and he gave, uh, sorry, I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best sheep, goats and cattle and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, in Gilgal. Oh, okay. He's going to take it to Gilgal. He's going to yeah. have a big sacrifice there. Mm. Um and it's all going to be good. Oh, and he let slip that he didn't actually destroy all of the Amalekites. Yeah, he kept the king. The most powerful Amalekite there is. Yeah, that's right. Brought him back as a prize. Mm-hmm. Mm. A little bit of ego coming in there. Mm-hmm. All right, verse 22. This is your key verse right here. Yeah, but Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering of the fat of rams. Mm, keep going. It continues on. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Oh, ouch. Rough. That's got to hit hard right there. So mm. Saul has now just been rejected it. Did did Saul not get a chance? Did did, did God not give Saul a chance to uh, to, to repent? Did, did God just turn up and like, ah, oh, Saul, you you disobeyed, therefore you're no longer a king? He gave him a chance. Gave him two. He gave him a bunch of chance. Like Samuel three. clearly points out how he's in the wrong, yes. and Saul obviously has the opportunity at this point. And then Samuel points it out again. Yeah, he has the opportunity to repent. He does, but well, he, he does repent here. But but at this point, like it's because of consequences, not because of, you know, he he like at yeah, he's like I'm gonna lose my kingship, so I'm gonna repent. But really, at the end of the day, he wasn't sorry for what he did, and we know that by what happens at the end of his life. 
Stuart has this to say. He says, totally agree with uh, the message. I grew up in the bush on a farm. We had a, we had few pets. Not till I stopped eating flesh did I get feeling for living creatures. Mm. And there's something we all need to, you know, particularly our farmers and so forth. We need to, we need to have, generate that within mm. ourselves because um, God has a feeling for living creatures as well, and we can so easily, as human beings, become hardened to it. And this is what the message is really all about. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're having this really interesting discussion uh, right now about sacrifices and how mm. useless sacrifices actually were because Paul says they're useless in the book of Hebrews, but mm-hmm. they weren't useless. Mm-hmm. They were very useful while ever the shock factor remained. Yes, that's right. The moment that you went to, okay, the pagan concept of the more sacrifices we give, then uh, the more appeased our God will be and the more he will like us. Mm then you completely lose the point of what those sacrifices were all about. And this is interesting when you when you think about the development of, you know, animal sacrifices <clears throat> and where it begins and how it, how it, how mm-hmm. it comes about. You know, Jordan Peterson, uh, famous philosopher, I don't know whether it was pre-Christian days or whatever, but I was listening to one of his clips on YouTube where he's talking about, you know, the concept of animal sacrifice, which then grew into the concept of human sacrifice and how did it originate. And he's like, well, you know, it evolved because... Uh, people recognized there was a thing called delayed gratification and delayed gratification works. Mm-hmm. And so um, sacrifice then becomes a, a um, an artificial delayed gratification. That's right. And so people like, well, if gr- delayed gratification works here, then let's create that by sacrifice and then, you know, it mm. gets out of control and ends up with human sacrifice. The problem is that he's wrong. Oh, Okay. Because sacrifice began with God, uh-huh. illustrating the power of sin. Mm-hmm. And then pagans came along and corrupted it mm-hmm. and turned it into appeasement rather than symbol. That's right. And the moment that God became angry uh, in the minds of the pagans, then you had to appease that God with sacrifices. And so the whole system got messed up by pagans. Mm-hmm. And so paganism, and then you've got paganism that tries to come back into the worship of God, mm-hmm. and you've got so many examples of it where you have these mass sacrifices, and God's like, look, I'm not, I'm not appeased by mass sacrifices. I'm appeased by a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. That's not, not appeased, but that's what I want. That's what gives me joy. That's what gives me happiness. That's what, that's what makes an environment in which I can change your life. Mm-hmm. These sacrifices were only ever a uh, simple symbol. Uh, let me see here. Um, just coming through on the text line. Many years ago, I used to go fishing all the time. When I started, I did find it hard to cut the throat of the fish, but after a while, it was a non-issue. Mm. Now I don't think I could do it. Gives me shivers just thinking about it. It's just like sin. Wow. It's a slippery slope. This is very interesting because, you know, it's kind of like with anything. What we become normalized to, we ceased to view with horror. Mm. And I think this is a great object lesson for all people who work, you know, in an industry or an area dealing with animals. Mm. You can very quickly become hardened. Yeah. And as you notice that in yourself, 
Use that as a reminder of how you can become hardened to sin. Mm. My my dad is a uh, boilermaker by trade, and yes. then started his own company, and then you know all kinds of things. Um, but uh, he's ta- talked to me a couple times in in working on abattoirs, not not working in the abattoir. He's never been an an, an abattoir, uh, but working in uh, on the abattoir itself. So to you know to build infrastructure and whatnot, and uh, you'd be mixing and and mingling with those who are working in the abattoir and. You know, you talk to people as they're doing their jobs. It's like, oh, what did you do today, mate? It's like, oh, you cut out 800 cow tongues or poked out 800 cow eyes or something like that. And just how desensitized uh, they become. Like for my dad, he's like kind of in, in horror. Not that he's like a, a vegetarian or whatever. And he's he's actually a very um, keen fisherman. But yeah, just like, it's just crazy. Like he, he was standing there saying like, man, how does this not drive these people nuts to just be constantly experiencing death and dealing with flesh and all those kinds of things. Like it was, uh, yeah, yeah, quite shocking to him to just be in that area. And I think it is because it is, it's, it's death. Like who likes it? Who rejoices in it? Yes. All right. Okay. And let's go back to our passage that we have uh, under uh, under uh, investigation here in the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Where did we get up to? I think we were just like there in verse 7 or 8. We got up it? to verse 11. Yeah, but you were, we need to go back over some oh, of these verses. Okay. We okay. were talking about the one here where God says, look, I've got no pleasure in sacrifices. And it's like, wait a minute, didn't you institute sacrifices? Mm-hmm. What's actually going on here? And we've been delving into that to uh, to look in depth as to why God has no, I think, yeah, verse 8. In verse 8, the Bible says, First Christ said, You do not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Okay, now verse 9. In verse 9, the Bible says, Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. Okay, so Jesus now is, you know, the Bible now is contrasting the sacrifices of animals with the sacrifice of mm-hmm. Jesus and how Jesus came to do your will. And this is what we find in the in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is there, he's come up to the time of his crucifixion and he doesn't want to do mm-hmm. it like any of us. It's He knows exactly what is going to happen. And, you know, probably the worst thing that we could ever know is the, time, is the date and method of our death. Mm. You know, to be able to prophesy that, you know, to have that kind of prophecy would be the worst kind of information ever, mm-hmm. because it would it would plague on our mind. But Jesus knows he's going to die. Mm. He knows he's going to die the next day. He knows it's going to be the most horrendous death imaginable, mm. and he doesn't want to have have anything to do with it. And he's like, Lord, you know, I pray that this cup may pass from me. I, I don't want to have a, any part of it. Mm-hmm. But not what my will, but your will be done. Mm-hmm. And he surrenders himself to the Father there in the Garden of Gethsemane to do God's will. And, you know, this is what you've got coming through where you've got it in verse 7. Lo, I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me to do your will, O God. Verse 9, then said he, Lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first and establishes the second covenant. And so you've got this great sacrifice that Jesus is going to make, which has been symbolized by the animal sacrifices down through the centuries. Mm. And the animal sacrifices, the people have just become hardened to it and they've become meaningless. Mm -hmm. 
to the point where it's actually become really big business. Mm-hmm. And the temple, you know, in Jerusalem becomes the second biggest economy in the world because of, largely because of the sacrificial system. Yeah. You know, they just turned it into the most, the biggest money generating system. Haven't we seen this in religion over yeah. and over and <laughs> Talk over? Talk about megachurch. Over wow. again. Megachurch. Anything from St. Peter's Basilica to the televangelists in the United States, mm-hmm. it's always the same story. Yeah. Monetizing people's most deep and personal and intimate and powerful connection with God mm. and turning it into a tradable quantity thing. Um, we were talking about this in, in a small group that I was at last night, mm. you know, where you've got the uh, prophecy of the seven seals. And in the third seal, you've got this horse that is black, the color of mm-hmm. error. And he's carrying, carrying balances in his hand, which is, you know, uh, basically the credit card machine of the day. Mm-hmm. And he's selling, he's selling the bread of life, mm-hmm. barley and wheat, at grossly inflated prices. But don't touch the, but don't touch the, the wine and the oil, which are symbols of, you know, having a party and having a good time. So mm. live in luxury and sell the gospel. Mm. And we've seen it in the dark ages. We are seeing it again today with the prosperity gospel. We saw it in the time of Jesus. Mm. Imagine how it breaks the heart of Jesus to see those sacrifices that symbolized the incredibly special sacrifice that he's making just become nothing and becoming a tradable item. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back to Faith FM. Uh, we've come to question of the day. I just realized we didn't do the 500-point quiz. We didn't. So we're going to do it right now. The, for 500 points, where was Solomon anointed as king of Israel? If you know where that is, uh, you can win an epic prize. Uh, our prize this morning is called The Great Prophetic Books of Daniel and Revelation. So it's a study journal. It's got your Bible verses in there with notes underneath it and study helps and guides. It is an incredible book um, that surrounds two books, Daniel and Revelation, that we definitely ought to understand. Uh, You can give us a call at 0491-064-669 if you know the answer. But again, that question was, where was Solomon anointed as king? But right now it is time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day is, what is meant with Satan inciting David, uh, with Satan inciting David, and what is sinful about counting your fighting men? Interesting passage right here in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 21. The Bible says, And Satan stood up, up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Israel. And so in this particular passage, what we've got right, right here is that uh, you've got Satan who comes along and he stands up against Israel. There's, there's nothing unusual about that. Satan is often coming up with schemes. And particularly in the Bible, uh, we find the record of Satan coming up with all kinds of schemes to try and to destroy Israel. This is an interesting scheme by David because this is by, by, by Satan, sorry, because this is not Satan attacking Israel with an outside force. This is not Satan, you know, getting uh, David to go and commit, you know, rape or murder or whatever it might be with Bathsheba or anything like that. This is David attacking Israel in a very, very different way, in a way that seems almost harmless. He's like, David, 
why don't you go and take a census of Israel? What is interesting in the story is that while we would probably not see anything wrong with that, when we come down here, Joab, who was the general of Israel, you know, and, and this guy, he's an old, hard-bitten warrior who has, you know, been around for a long time and done a lot of things and pretty much seen it all. You don't particularly think of Joab as being a deeply spiritual person, just more of a warrior, a man-killer. But the Bible says in verse 2, And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so more, many more as they are. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why then does my lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? And so Joab's like, hey, look, let's let's multiply as many as many more as we they're all your servants, and may they be a hundred times more than what they are. But Joab recognizes that this is a sin. And that's the big question that comes into our mind. What's wrong with that? You know, we kind of like knowing how many people there are in Australia or whatever country it is we were living in. If you live in New Zealand, we like we like knowing how many people there are who live in New Zealand. What, what would be a problem? How could there possibly be a problem with just, you know, getting some demographic information of your particular nation and find out, well, how many of us are there? Well, the answer comes down to the reasoning why David wants to do so. David is not just curious about the size of his nation. David has become wealthy. David has become powerful. He has built himself into an empire. And this is, you know, the Israelite empire. It is literally stretching from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates uh, as far as its hegemony goes uh, and as far as its area of influence goes. And uh, what does David want to do here? David wants to find out how strong actually am I? Now, has David's strength ever been in the size of his population or the size of his empire? No. That's not where David's strength came from. There were so many times in the past where David fought against massive odds and came through not because of his strength, not because of his military prowess, not because he was a great warrior, but because he trusted in God. And this act by David in numbering Israel was a rejection of God and an acceptance of the power of the size of his nation. And this is why Joab recognizes it immediately. And this is why David is punished for what he does right here in numbering Israel, because in doing so, it is a rejection of his trust in God. Well, coming up after the show, we've got an amazing show with uh, Jason Cook and his team uh, from Tassie Encounters. So do stay tuned in to what they're going to be presenting for you down there. I am super looking forward to uh, to, I always look forward to their presentations. They just do a fantastic job. And we also want to remind you that, you know, in these times of crisis, uh, we need to be banding together more than ever before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the great thing about uh, COVID, if we can say there's a great thing about COVID, is that it has all created us into Zoom experts. We are the greatest Zoomers on the planet right now. And you can be a part of a small group. My small group has people from... Uh, from uh, Smith's Lake, mm-hmm. 
That's a long way from here. That's like what, an hour away from here. Mm-hmm. It has people from Kurumong. That's 40 minutes the other direction. It has people from out west. It has people from all over that are a part of that small group. So if you'd like to be part of a small group, uh, there are many small groups that you can join either in your area face-to-face, which is the best, or just jump on Zoom and join one. Yep. 0491064669 is our number. I just wanted to quickly run through the quiz answers because we didn't get the time to for 100 points. It was B for 200, Wooden Star for 300, Aaron for 400, Agrippa, and for 500, Gihon. And, of course, we like to remind you every day, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.